we so glorify being skinny and um, being this perfect way in our culture that if you're, you know, if you're voluptuous, which I love that's like starting to come into style now because that's how I am, but it wasn't when I was growing up. And so voluptuous just meant fat, you know, and it just means like, that's to right. me, like it's beautiful curves now, like now I can embrace it and love it. But I was hating myself because I wasn't what society deemed perfect. Hello, I am Joel Ingram, and this is Crisis to Crushing It podcast. Let's dive into this week's talk, and I'll help to increase perspective, expand perception, and allow you to change your reality. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, I'm back. And a two-week hiatus, apologies. It took longer than I thought. So uh, dive straight into this week's talk with Raina Rose. A uh, bit of a special one for you, hope you enjoy it. Uh, I get a little bit carried away in the beginning. Before I know it, I've actually uh, we've started actually just start having the discussion rather than going through the podcast. So we've kept it in. Keep it real. Uh, please let me know what you think and uh, enjoy. Four days uh, ah. that, I, that I need to do something with it. Nice. Is it blank or do you just have you've started it but you haven't finished? So it's the first time we, me and my wife did one about a year. Two years ago, and uh, it was one day I looked around and, and looked at it. I went, oh, oh, I got that. Oh, I got that. Oh, I got that too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, right? But, so the crazy part is some of it was like um, one, one of the pictures on there was uh, a window frame with you could see the bed, and then outside the bed was a, a pretty tree. And it just looked very relaxing. And I, and I went into my bedroom one day and I looked at it and I thought, okay, it's not the exact scene. Right. But what that represents was there. Yes, yes just, absolutely. It just took that shift in perspective. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I, I started to like look at mine. Actually, mine's right here because I've got it all prepped. Or this is like, it was like a four foot one. I just had to, I don't even know where. It's like in a rubbish bin somewhere, the real one. But because uh, I've lost it over the year, but I had like a Gulfstream 650 uh, right there. Nice. And like an Audi. And I ended up flying around on a Bombardier and driving a BMW. <laughs> you know, it's like, but what it all represented, you know, was like I wanted to be on private jets. I wanted to drive a nice car, you know, that it was fun and made me feel good. Um, as well as like, in the vision board class, you'll get, we'll see uh, whether you watch the replay or the live, you know, I talk about how it started with like stuff, but then it really like branched out to like, I brought my family into all my trips. And then like, I um, work with orphans in Russia. I'm actually going next week. Um, and like, I was able to sponsor an orphan, which I just thought was impossible at the time, you know, cause I was like, so broke there's healthy food on here because I couldn't afford to like, go to the fancy market and like buy more than two things you know <laughs> like, i would just have to buy like the cheapest thing on the shelf you know so i was like no yeah with i'm <laughs> i'm so I, I probably am where you once were okay yeah f- with fi- financially wise like you know so uh mm-hmm. oh i'm gonna be running a financial course in o- end of october i'll let you know about it yeah if you would yeah i would yeah. able to save a quarter million dollars with a seventy-five thousand dollars salary in like five years. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I had bonuses and I had some other things, but still quarter million dollars on a $75,000 salary. It's good going. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, wow, I'm actually really good at this. I should probably teach it to more than orphans because I teach orphans finance all the time. But I'm like, I could teach other people finance too. Yeah. <laughs> like absolutely. the mentality behind it too, like your NLP, like the getting the mental, but then like the, um, the actual, like how to set up your accounts and things and then like creative ways to make more money and things like that. So, you know, we've, we've just, Two, I, I told somebody else this. So if, if I have mentioned it to you in conversation, please stop me. Um, two years ago, I had a, an appointment with um, somebody who was in a mastermind who was the financial guy. And, and he said, oh, you need to do a budget, blah, blah, blah. He had a fantastic story. Like, he was like millions in debt. Like, stupid money. Right? <clears throat> and um, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. So we, we did our bits and bobs, me and the missus. And eventually brought my missus completely round to my way you know, let's, let's change everything and, and try and get what we want. Yeah. And then, um, we ended up joining another mastermind and I bumped into another financial guy and they did the same sort of thing again, but we stayed with this one a little bit longer and the process is a little bit longer. Um, and he, and he's like, Oh, you need to get your budget down. And it wasn't until a month or six weeks ago. Um, and I, I'd been, so I cut myself off from my previous online banking system because it just felt that money was just like water. Mm-hmm. It was, it was too liquid. Um, which then meant I had to go all the way to Cardiff, which is six miles away. So I'm a, a bank to get the money out, which I did ah. once a week or twice, a, you know, F, once a fortnight, uh, to pay, pay the food and pay the bills. The budget comes in because I reached a point where I was like, I can't do this no more. <laughs> this, is, this is cooking my head. I need to get it right. I, yeah. I, actually, I was actually in enough pain to think I really want it. You know, but I've had this message for two years. And, I, and when I look back, I think, why the bleed now didn't I do that two years ago? You know? And it wasn't even that big a drama. You know, not, we've, we've cut a ton of stuff. Like, I think we've halved the number of direct debits we've got. And, that's and, good. and even then, it wasn't extravagances it was you know like your, your virgin package or the other bits and bobs but nothing nothing grand or over the top yeah i had to cut like a lot of my little the itunes packages and things like that just right now as i'm like entering a new venture you know and i've mm. saved this obviously but you don't want to go through any of that either if you can help it <laughs> and no. so i'm like all right you know down to when I'm my income is starting over again, as I'm starting the retreat, starting all this scaling back down, like I had to in the beginning, you know, cause I've, I've gotten to the point where I could be, you know, like, Oh, I can buy whatever I want at whole foods and I can do this and do that, you know, but, uh, and I still could, but you know, I would like to build that quarter million to several billion one day instead of, you know, just go through it. But yeah. the cool thing um, about the financial, it's a course, actually, I can send you the book. It's, or it's like an audio program that you can get on. It's on Audible America and on iTunes. Um, Audible, you can get for a credit. iTunes is 40 bucks. Um, and he tells you to teach the material. He goes, teach it, charge for it. He's like, um, but I, I want this to get out there. And it's from the 90s, I want to say. So it's, he actually is talking about like going to the bank and putting money in. But like the basic of, he has you set up all these savings accounts and he's like, you know, back in the times when you carried a leather purse for your money, you've got money and then used it and got money and used it. But if you have another purse at home and you get your coins and you put one coin in the purse and you use it and one coin in the purse, and you, eventually this purse adds up to a large amount of money. 
And nice. so, but you really didn't suffer because you were just putting this one coin away and you kind of forgot about it. And then you have wealth. And so he teaches it, like it's broken up into thirds. Like the first third is the mind and like getting yourself to where you believe you deserve to be wealthy and you get the blocks out of like money is the root of all evil or these kind of things. Yeah. You hear that. Yeah. And then the second part is like how to actually set up the accounts, how to actually like build your structure. And then the third part is like all these crazy creative ways to make money from like, if you don't play an instrument going out on the street and saying like, once I earn $50, I'll stop playing this instrument. You know, <laughs> like, I like, like that. Those ridiculous ways to make money, but to get your mind creative on different ways to bring in different streams of income. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So but really that's cool. brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to teach it cause he says to, and, um, I'm going to do it like a zoom, uh, course, you know, for nice. people. Yeah. I like that. My, well, it was to so, um, yeah, that way you the audio. Cool. I was um, talking to a, a friend the other day and he was saying, we were just talking about money and he's got a very different outlook on money to me. He's, he's a businessman and he's into Grand Cardone. So, mm -hmm. so he, he's, oh, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he sees money as very like a transaction based, you know, even if it is a lot of money, it's, uh -huh. it's constantly moving. Yes. And he, and he doesn't attach to it going. Mm -hmm. because he knows he can make it elsewhere Again. Yeah. right and, and that's he actually talks about that too like you don't and I've, I've read and listened to this in different programs like you don't want your money to be a stagnant pond no you want it to be more like waves in and waves out and that it stays fresh and of course like you keep saving you you have more come in than goes out but you can't like the more you kind of fist onto it the more it slips through the fingers you know, and um, I have it in the questions you asked, but just as that attorney, she was really getting nervous about, you know, oh no, what if the contracts don't come through? And she had a bunch of contracts. She was just worrying about it and they were starting to dry up. And I took her through like a 20, 30 minute process of why do you have that fear? Where did it come from? Is it still serving you? And like how we can basically take that to a higher and then realize that that fear is no longer necessary. And once she dropped that fear, like literally within five minutes, she got a call from the legal office and it was like, would you come in and do some more work for our firm? <laughs> you know? That's crazy, like, isn't it? Like sometimes I hear about it later, but on the call to watch her get it, I was just like, <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah, that's brilliant. But it shows just like, we can't hold on to when we fear we can never make it again. When we fear that it's finite, uh, that there's not enough that that reality presents itself in our yeah. life. Yeah. I think it's, I, <laughs> I, I'm liking your vibe already. <laughs> and I, I don't know if we're going to touch on money within this podcast, but I think, I think there's another episode. Here. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm, I really like, it's interesting. I, I do a lot of things, of course, um, between like all the wellness things and then like designing private jets, you know, <laughs> it's like, I'm like, but I think my purpose in everything is really to just bring beauty and peace to people's lives, whether that's like having secure finances, um, being able to be peaceful within your like mind and meditate and like stop for a minute and realize, am I running? in the wrong direction 
and I actually need yeah. to stop and analyze so that I don't keep running 10 miles further than my real true goal or just the peace and beauty of like a beautiful environment in their private jet. Like for me, like peace and beauty in all aspects is I'm like, there's a lot of things, but they all come down to that peace and beauty in everything. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It's, yeah, there's aspects of myself. I, um, I enjoy being creative, but I don't always get a chance to cr- express creatively. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, so I, I'm, I'm toying with like putting courses together and other bits and bobs. I talk but, about that in the book. I'm like, hey, uh, <laughs> yeah, like being creative is like the exercise of the soul. Okay. Oh, oh I like that. You have that part of you. And if you don't do it, your soul becomes lethargic and heavy and slow, you know, yeah. because we all have that. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, creativity of creating a program online or creating a painting we all have creativity. If we don't exercise it, it's like not giving our soul any exercise. You, I just shifted something then. <laughs> um, I was a kid. I was really into art, uh, very, mm. very much so, uh, to the point where if I'd have had, if nobody had said anything to me, I probably would have done uh, art GCSE, which is like mid-level qualifications. I probably mm. would have done sewing. I probably would have yeah. done cooking. You know, all yeah. those types of you know, woodwork, creative, all, right, those, yeah. all those creative crafts. But some, when, one teacher said to me, well, what are you going to do for GCSE? I said, oh, well, art. Uh, I'm, I'm good at art, so yeah, art. Well, that's good. Well, you're going to become a teacher. And, but he, he put it down. Mm-hmm. And when you said that then, the first thing that came into my mind was that, that thought of what are you going to become a teacher, which therefore means... I'm never going to make any money at it. Right. And that's, it's funny how beliefs like that attach. Oh, I had the same thing. Um, I do a lot of music still. Um, I try not to attach whether I need to make money off of that, you know? Um, but same thing when I was a little kid, I'm going to be a, a, a pop star. <laughs> you know? No, what are you really going to be? Yeah. A, a pop star. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. How, how dare people put constraints on us? Yeah, you know, it makes me think about one day when I have my own children and when I had stepchildren too, like really encouraging the dreams. Yeah. And even with my stepchildren, I would see like their grandmother say, oh, I'm not good at math. It's okay. You're not good at math. And I'm like, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, but you're so smart. Like I've seen you do this and I've seen you do that. I know you can get this too. You know, like instead of, oh, write it off. We're just not a good math family, you know? Because yeah. like you said, that sticks. That's the programming that gets put in their minds. Mm-hmm. That, oh, well, I'm not good at math. I shouldn't even try. Yeah. And if you're not good at math, what else does that impact? Uh-huh. Your ability to manage money and other stuff. It's, it's like crazy. Right. I thought I wasn't good. At Actually, so I went from a British school system to an American school system when I was about eight. And so I learned like the fundamentals of spelling, of math, of everything under the British system. And then at least in the early nineties at the time, like the American system was like, you need to show the math this way, or even if the answer's right, you're wrong. You know? And uh, I was spelling my, you know, color with a U, I was spelling <sighs> everything the British way, you know, and I think back later, I'm like, you know, had I known more about life then I would have told the teacher, like, if this is English class, you need to learn to spell color, <laughs> not me. <laughs> 
<laughs> but like, I just thought I was terrible at everything because it was just another system and I had to, I like nearly felt failed out of elementary school because I, it just took me a while to pick up on the American system, yeah. you know, of how they did things and spell things the way they, even now, like when I spell certain words, I'm like, Mm. Does it have yeah. a U? Does it not? Does it? <laughs> yeah, they they tend to skip the U's, don't they? They skip all the U's, yeah. and like even um, like literally, I can't it, if I'm like speaking with American. I, I'm sometimes really try to say literally, <laughs> but it's just so many syllables <laughs> I can't get it out. <laughs> I, I've stopped trying since, but <laughs> now I've lived like so many places in the world that it's okay to have this sort of fluid accent that just changes where I go and so I'm like well, I just go with it now but I struggled like I said I, I almost failed out of the first couple of years of school in America <laughs> yeah well man I mean just imagine what that did for your brain though yeah it took a while to, to change that I'm dumb though you know because mm. you get the you're stupid you can't get this you're stupid you're stupid you're stupid mm. and so finally it, it was like middle school for me when I'm about 13 when I started clicking into it and really was like, actually, I'm really smart. I get this all. And I just had to put it into the right framework. Hmm. Um, math still took a while because those building blocks were gone, <laughs> but uh, you know, um, changing to, Oh yeah, I'm smart. I get things and this. And then way later, yeah, this did a ton for my brain and how I can adapt to different situations and even like create systems around things that make something that once took me two hours, take 15 minutes and like just mm. be able to like create crazy systems and maybe i wouldn't have been able to do that without that near failing out of elementary school <laughs> yeah i mean yeah you, you're never gonna really understand the benefit of the, your bane's ability to flex at that time yeah you know it'd be interesting to be able to capture that wouldn't it to see what did that experience provide you with i, I think so and even just like you know we moved to the jungle when i was like four you know, I'm, you've, know. <laughs> you've been everywhere. I've been everywhere. So we moved to Brunei in, in Malaysia, Indonesia area for um, a few years. Like I turned five when I got there and eight as soon as I got back. Um, but, you know, those are like super building block years. And we talk about like my brother yeah. and I, like everybody else, because my father was a pilot for the Sultan. And oh, so okay. all the other pilots lived on the street. Their families went back to the UK or wherever they were from um, during the school year. But we stayed. And so I always joke, like, you know, we were best friends because we were each other's only friends. You know? But it was the best thing for us because, I mean, that just stayed with us our whole life, you know. And uh, we, I mean, maybe we were a bit codependent on each other. But at the same time, it was like, yeah, my best friend's my brother. And, like, I can hang out with him. And no matter what I needed, he was always there, you know. Like, and uh, nice. I don't see, like, every brother and sister relationship having that kind of, like, deep trust being there for each other in anything you know and i think that was really built on the fact that we didn't have a choice you know yeah i am um, we, we we've watched um there's a guy called ben fogel over here who does um new lives in the wild and, and he goes and visits with people that have made extreme moves whether it's to the desert to the jungle um mm. and they've got kids and invariably the kids get on fantastic i mean yeah another level fantastic absolutely because the the choice to not be fantastic with each other has been removed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you read a four hour work week with Tim Ferriss? No, no. 
Right. Okay, that's the next story. Go on, carry on. It's like I've probably listened and read it like eight, nine times. But um, one of the stories is uh, because he teaches people how to like really break away and take these mini vacations, whether like a year or several months. And they um, decide to sail around the Mediterranean and like up um, probably to the UK or something. You know, it's a several months sailing and have two boys who like couldn't get along. They hated reading um, and they were hesitant to pull them out of school because of whatever effect that might have. And by the end of the trip, they had to get along because they had no choice. They loved reading because there was no other form of entertainment on the boat. (laughs) It's brilliant. Yeah, it really is. I'm like, my kids are definitely moving somewhere like third world or like we're just unplugging at some point. (laughs) That's on my hit list. That is, that's what, that's something I want to put on my vision board is I want to go and live. I want to, the the aim of all all that we're trying, I and my wife are trying to create is to create a life of experience for us all as a family. Yeah. And I want my children to understand, and I want us to go and sub- submerge ourselves in a culture like, you know, an African village or wow. living in a rainforest somewhere for a few months or whatever. But to help, you know, and be part of it and be, you know, but to experience uh, time without the sodding phone or the yeah. Xbox. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah you know, we didn't have tv for so many i don't i still don't i haven't owned a tv in like 12 years i i say i see it socially like if someone else is watching it i'm like oh yeah i've seen that show you know um but we didn't have a tv for so long the, i think we had like two channels we did have a tv but uh we could only watch the mosque or the news in malay you know? <laughs> and i think about year three my dad finally brought over a um the hookups to put in a VHS, you know, we could watch yeah. some movies uh, for the like, final year. But, um, you know, we just got so used to going outside and we had a tire swing and we could sit out there and sing songs and do stupid stuff for hours, you know? <laughs> but we, have Im- we had so much imagination that so many kids didn't. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, that creativity, that uh, the ideas center in your brain, I think we developed that there and, and just kept building off of that. And again, you just never know, would, would I have had that if I didn't go there? And, you know, if I sat in front of the television all the time in America, eating sweets from here, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I know. It's a big one. It's a, it's a real concern and a real worry because uh, me and the wife are both really like into our art and creative. Yeah. But we're also, we're also aware that we were that way because of our imagination. Yes. And we don't want that to, our children to not be able to express or have an imagination, you know, because everything's so, so, you know, now we, you know, you don't have to think about anything because it's just right in front of them. It's, yeah. That's how I actually got the job um, doing the flight attending flying around the world was because um, the, I started I wanted to learn about FBOs and I wanted to become a flight attendant, but on a private jet, you know, I didn't want to pass peanuts out to hundreds of people. Not, you know, it just wasn't my thing. I wanted to like truly give an experience to one person and like know everything about them. So it could be a, you know, a beautiful, peaceful experience. And, um, but it was going to, the experts told me it would take 10 years of experience and thousands of dollars of certifications, which I had neither. And so I went and I worked in a private airport just answering phones. They needed a bilingual receptionist. I just moved back from South America so I could speak Spanish. And uh, so I started answering phones, bored out of my mind. So I started helping them with the marketing because I was, I had done marketing for my previous company. 
And I told the marketing guy who played guitar really well, I was like, let's jam out in the hangar and this will help our creativity for the marketing. And it did because we just got on this level where we were like jamming in the hangar. And then when we went to do marketing stuff, we were like on the same plane of like, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Let's put this in here. Let's say that, you know, and um, it relates, you know, so like even if music or art or that doesn't become our job, it helps us in all the other aspects of what we do. Yeah. I mean, I think when people don't value it just because it's not maybe going to be your moneymaker, doesn't mean it doesn't have to be a huge expression of your life that actually affects things more than we think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I, I got to apologize. I, I got steered the conversation. Um, <laughs> well, I, I hope it just uh, comes off in the podcast too. We can keep chatting. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm up for leaving it on and then I, I can cut this bit out if you'd like. And uh, again, How I can go to the question. <laughs> I, I want to be respectful of your time. How long have you got me? Um, I'm I'm good until noon, so uh, which is another hour for me. Uh, okay. Hour. Okay. Should, should, should we? Uh, yeah. If you want to keep that part on, if it helps anybody, great. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm very raw with what I put out. Is it, I take cool. the the peaks and troughs off the the audio, and that's that's about it. Awesome. Uh, I I try to keep it as uh, as real as possible. Okay. Well, that's, anyway, I've, I've really enjoyed that first part. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I'll do the introduction on, on my own. Um, sure, sure, yeah. yeah rather than uh, okay. read it out. Do you want to get into the questions or do we want to just keep chatting? <laughs> well, it's, it's up to you. I mean, I'm, I'm good either way, but uh, I, I'd love for you to be able to tell my audience about what you've got going on in your world right now because I know, you know, you've got, you've got a couple of things upcoming especially tomorrow. Yes, I do. I have, it's funny because I'm really working on intentionally slowing down and I have been doing that for several months. I've, uh, I haven't gotten to go to a monastery as I will probably do after some trips that I've got planned, um, which is how I generally just silence everything and pause. Like I was saying earlier, you know, to pause things to make sure you're going in the right direction because so many of us, we get running and running. We want to do everything. Um, but if we don't take those micro pauses and make sure we're still going in the right direction, we, we run further from our, our dream, our goal, our vision. Mm. Um, so my main thing is really pausing. And even I'm, um, going to Russia next week to work at the orphanages that I work with. We're doing an, um, it's this after program where, uh, we used to just do the orphanages, but we found after they'd leave the orphanage, they had no life skills. So they were easy prey for drugs, prostitution. Mm. Like one girl froze to death in a bus stop. Like it, Wait. they had nothing, you know, they had never been to a grocery store, never been on a bus before. Um, you know, cause they'd just been in an institution where they got food, a shelter. And so um, we go and in this camp, they're getting prepared to, um, they can go to a school that the government will pay for to become a painter. There's some very rudimentary job. And, uh, but we take them, we divide them into groups and have them um, meal plan, go to a grocery store, show where the um, inexpensive food is. Um, then we'll do little games where they have to take a bus here and tell us something and take another public transportation there. So they get used to the public transportation system and you know, just building in the life skills so that they're not totally lost after they're leaving the orphanage, that, they're just, that we still have a continued relationship with them as well. So that's what I'm doing next week. 
And then um, after that, I actually come to London for a week. I'm um, decorating somebody's aircraft, and then I'm just going to take the trip with them as a flight attendant and go to London and come back. <laughs> and it falls on my birthday, so I'm like, I love being in London on my birthday. <laughs> so that sounds that, fantastic. Yeah, these are like back to back to back, so I'm like, it's nice that I've really taken this pause because I feel like I'm packed for the trips all, all in advance. I'm going to Canada after that within a few days. So I'm packed for all the trips. I'm like, for me, I don't get excited until I like get on the aircraft, you know? Like, so yeah. I have, I know when I need to be there, I'll show up on the plane and just like do what I need to do and flow in that experience. So I've got all those trips planned. And then the retreat comes a few weeks after Canada. So I've got time to prepare for that. I made sure I had some downtime to really make sure I am in this peaceful state because how can I bring anybody else into that if I'm not? So, um, and then I've got two books releasing in um, November. And uh, what else? Uh, the vision board tomorrow night. So it's a vision board class. Um, again, uh, my vision board, I've just seen pretty much everything I was showing you earlier for those who didn't see, like this is a, a small version of it, but I've seen pretty much everything uh, come to pass. Uh, I'd love to show you my other one, but it's in the other room. It takes up the entire wall. I call it my manifest tree. And it looks like uh, an elementary school classroom, like a big tree. And the whole um, bark is like miracles and manifesting and like a divine connection. And then all the leaves have like um, different branches of like areas of life, like social life, financial life, romantic life. Um, career purpose, all, you know, and then what needs to kind of happen in those like podcasts and television and, you know, the ways to get the message out there or, you know, in romance, like being loving and empathetic and kind and compassionate. Like, so all those are the leaves and then there's pictures as well. So it's like a whole nother um, level of vision boarding. <laughs> right. I got loads of questions. Like we, we need to press pause a minute. <laughs> the, first, the first question is, <laughs> how, how do you press pause? How do I press pause? There's many ways. I actually, one of the books that's coming out, I'm just one of the authors in. It's 21 different authors on natural and organic healing. And my chapter is on um, restorative downtime. And okay. so I offer suggestions that I use all of them up to like a week retreat somewhere where you're totally pausing to simply getting outside and putting your feet in the earth for a couple of seconds. Mm. Sometimes that's all I have time for, but I go out and I just put my feet in the earth. I breathe, you know, I try to do like five seconds in, five seconds out. And then it might just be back to, back to what really needs to happen. And for a lot of people, especially if you have kids and work and all this stuff, maybe that's all you can do right now. And that's a start, you know? And so I do that, you know, something as simple as when I do have the time, go out and lay in the grass and look at the shapes of the clouds. <laughs> Yeah, that's chill, that is. I like that. My creative mind and the soothe. I mean, um, but my favorite, favorite way is when I do have the time and I, I can plan for it, as I love to go to um, mostly Catholic and Benedictine monasteries. And um, they're usually silent monasteries. And um, that's something I teach in my retreats too, but in a much smaller scale, because most people can't be silent for a week. <laughs> We do like an afternoon of silence, you know, and uh, I give them a journal in case they just absolutely need to get things out because 
it's very difficult if you've never practiced silence other than like being on timeout as a child. <laughs> like, and then we've got this negative association to silence too. Even think about conversation, we feel that we need to fill it all the time. Um, but it's silent, except for um, you can go to like the hymns and lauds, um, which is like the songs of the church, and you can go to little things in the day, but in general, you're just silent, walking around nature. Like um, my favorite one is in Big Sur, and you can just see the ocean rolling in. And my, I talk about it in my book. I had this experience and I'm sitting in my patio on my, they call it your cell, is your room. <laughs> and um, I'm sitting on the patio on this little plastic chair and I can hear the reeds brushing against each other in the wind. And it's like nature is this symphony all around me. And that's something until you get silent and still enough for a few days that you don't hear. Mm. And it's such a gift that is always there. Um, but we, you have to get still enough to enjoy it. That's my, yeah. my way. I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm not always on, but recently I used to, um, when I'm riding to work or walking to work, I'll put like an audible book on. So mm -hmm. my, my downtime is learning. Yeah, yeah, um, me too. I was there too. <laughs> I have uh, to like make myself sometimes not do the learning all the yeah. time. Yeah, and that's that's what I know. My one day, I I I left my headphones in work, and I was a bit, I was a bit cross with myself. And as I started walking, I heard a chirp of the birds, mm. and then I thought, oh, okay, this is this is this is why, yeah. you know, it's, it's about taking, like I say, pressing that pause and just giving yourself a chance to appreciate what's right in front of you. Being you're never going to see it unless you give yourself opportunity to see it. Absolutely. Yeah? I find that with the phone too, the times that I've like resisted the chance to check Instagram and I put it down, even if I'm in a busy airport, I remember there was a one specific time in a busy airport where I put the phone down. I wanted to check Instagram and I said, no, and I can't remember what the brilliant idea was, but it was a brilliant idea you know, that I wouldn't have gotten if I was zoning out on yeah. content. And so um, sometimes even if we're not in, beautiful nature just to sit for a moment it's when the idea center begins to, oh now i can speak to you again <laughs> yeah yeah I, I somebody recommended to me the other day if you're going to go on instagram to not go on on your phone go on your computer because it's not as addictive that makes sense the, the scroll thing is is taken away you know yes. the so. only thing i last i checked instagram you can't send a message on the computer. I could be wrong and maybe just don't know how, okay. but I communicate with one of my uh, girls that I sponsor in Russia via Instagram. And so I'll delete Facebook often off of my phone. Um, but Instagram, I'm like, oh, Genia will be sad if I don't write back to her. <laughs> yeah. But okay. I, I think, yeah, deleting them off the phone and just making yourself do it at the computer is, is brilliant. Um, so tell us, tell us about these books. I mean, you've mentioned two, and you've been, you've been you you haven't plugged them. You need to plug oh, them. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, they come out in November. So the first one is called Natural and Organic Healing. It's um, an anthology with twenty-one authors, and um, so I'm just one author in that. And it will come out November first. And that the great thing about that is every single one that's come out so far. This is actually the third. Has become a bestseller in four days. Um, and it's guaranteed to be a bestseller by the publisher by Christmas. Like they'll do everything they can to make sure. 
And so I actually delayed the publication of my book so that I can have best-selling author on the cover. Um, I'm like, well, why not? You know, um, and I was um, going back and forth with my editor. She had like a eye surgery and things got delayed. So I was like, oh, that works out perfect. I won't be stressed to put the book out and I could put best-selling author on the cover. So um, my book right now, as long as the publishers allow me to keep the title, is called Sin Tastes Good. Okay, that sounds intriguing. <laughs> this subtitle is uh, Nourishing the Soul in an Empty Calorie World. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, so I kind of wanted it to be catchy and racy enough for someone who maybe wouldn't read about the soul or would be turned off by, especially I talk a lot about the Bible and like spirituality in a Christian sense Yeah. with the, like a very clear message in the beginning. Like if you are not, like first of all, if you've been hurt by the church, I apologize. Like that is wrong of the church, you know? Um, and it, it wasn't meant to be like this 2000 years ago. And kind of like going back into the Greek of the stories and what things really meant, like sin really only means to miss the mark, you know? And okay. that doesn't need to involve guilt and shame. Like, in fact, like if we're on an archery field and like we miss the mark and we're not guilting and shaming ourselves, we just improve our aim. But yeah. if we guilt and shame, we walk off the field and say, I suck at this, you know? <laughs> Right. So here's, here's one. Where, where does, how, oh, how does that creep in then? Where, where, at what point do we start to introduce the beating ourselves up with guilt and shame rather than just thinking, okay, what could, how could I do that better? Well, I think it's an age old, it's in, you know, especially it's really sad. Um, I've done a lot of research into there's things that when people grow up in a religious context, um, Sometimes they actually have more of that. Like for instance, um, the statistic on um, like a gay or lesbian teenager um, committing suicide is it's astronomically, I don't want to quote it, but I want to say it's like 70% higher for them to commit suicide if they grew up in a religious background mm -hmm. because there's so much guilt and shame in religion in general. There shouldn't be like, especially if we look into the Christ story, he, like everything Christ said was to eliminate the guilt and shame. <laughs> you know, like everything he said was like, there's no condemnation in Christ. There, there's, uh, and every, you know, Buddha, the, everybody says that, like we're not, that's not the point. But then when you get organization on top of that, we look at like in the Hebrew scriptures, we see the, uh, or in the New Testament, we see the Pharisees and they were constantly trying to say, you're breaking, Jesus, you're breaking the rules and hangs them on a cross. You know, like, I mean, they want rules. They want control. They want, um, control of the people. So the best way to control someone is say, you're wrong, you're, you're guilty, you're shameful, you should change, yeah. you know? And, but when we lift people up, when we, um, the Bible calls it edify, when we edify people, you're amazing, you're beautiful. You're made in the very image of the divine. <clears throat> you breathe divine breath and so do you and so do you and so do you. That's when we go, wow, I do. How can I act more like that? How can I like own that divine breath and be, you know, in the image of God? Um, and no matter what story you take that from, which kind of scriptures, it's in every single sacred text. Um, but we forget that. And um, in my book, and I actually talk about it in vision boarding, I believe that where sin really entered the picture is where Adam and Eve or whatever creation story you're looking at, forget that the serpent comes in and says, you know, if you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. And they forget in that moment, we already are like God. We are well, already made of those, those words alone 
presuppose that you're not like God, don't I? Exactly. You know, right. that's NLP in action there. Eh? <laughs> precisely, precisely. And so we see later on in the scriptures, Jesus has the same exact temptation. He says, if you're, you know, I can make you like God. He says, go away. I'm already like God, you know, like, yeah. um, and so, you know, these scriptures, we don't have to take them literally. It, like so many people get caught up on the literal translation, but there's, there's stories to teach a lesson, you know, and if we can gain the lessons from any sacred scriptures of like, own your divinity, own like that other people are doing, you know, like in, in yoga, like the divinity in me honors the divinity in you. Like yeah. if we can walk around owning our divinity and honoring the other, we wouldn't have wars. We wouldn't have guilt and shame. We wouldn't uh, have to wrestle with these things. <laughs> we wouldn't have all the lower vibrations, would we? No, we would all walk around like heaven on earth. I mean, it would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. And that's a big thing around finances too, actually, is the guilt in finances. We have to get rid of those past guilts. Yeah. Of, you know, I had a, um, not a foreclosure, but I had to deed my home back to the bank after my divorce. I carried that guilt of being a financial failure for years, you know, and I couldn't get traction until I let that guilt go. Um, because I just thought, oh, kind of like I'm bad at math. I'm bad at finances. Mm. And I just owned that. And I stayed in that vibration. Um, and until I said, that was one experience. I was 20 years old when I got this mortgage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, and then the mortgage crisis happened to a lot of people in America. It wasn't only me. And, you know, some of them weren't even, you know, kids when they got their mortgage. And so I had to like, give myself grace and then see how I had been improving over the years. And as I got that confidence, then, you know, boom, quarter million dollars saved this, you know, like I was doing much better. You know, yeah, it's, you know, in NLP, like if we can build people up, they're gonna go so much further than if we, it's this old paradigm of work real hard and be really down on yourself until you're stressed enough to make it happen. You know? yeah. Which that does work, it's just on a lower vibration. Yeah. Yeah, uh, can you, you touched on a word then. I love that word, grace. Can you, can you explain a little bit about what grace is? Or yeah. what it means to you? I mean, to me, it's, it's a kindness, really. It's being kind to yourself, giving yourself a little slack. Um, I have this amazing coach. I, you know, I work with coaches and mentors, as I, I encourage anybody to. Um, and she talks about, like, our little you she um like our inner child work but in a whole different light like like we tell ourselves kind of like you better get in line you better stop you know complaining you better be positive you and instead of like you know what you have every right to be complaining right now this situation is really awful i hear you to yourself you know yeah. and uh and, you know, I totally get it. You have every right to be like that. Now, what would it take for us to change this? What would it take, or us being you and yourself, mm -hmm. um, you know, what would it take to change this? Instead of like, you better be positive. You better be better. You got, you know, like, and you're not kind with yourself. And when we're not kind with ourselves, we're not kind with anyone else, no matter how much we think we are. And so um, when we can be graceful with ourselves and, you know, cut ourselves a break, give ourselves a moment to pause. Um, be real with the parts that are awful. Like some parts are just awful and it's okay to say that. 
and then say, and what would it take to be amazing? <laughs> you yeah. just can't stop at the awful. <laughs> you know? Don't yeah, don't sit in it. And, um, I suppose own it. Yeah. Empower you yourself to change. For a while. I think that's okay. You know, not years, but yeah. you know, if you need to sit with it for like several hours or a day, like, all right, this is, I actually had a day the, uh, a week ago or so where I just had a couple of things. I can't even tell you what they are now, but like, it's just like stuff had been weighing and I just sat with that and I was just kind of like down for the, allowing myself to be a bit down that day, you know, totally like in my prayer journal, totally just, okay, this, this feeling of sadness is arising. I still love and accept myself, you know, um, and I can be sad and still a positive person. Yeah. Um, and that's right. And just being graceful, you know, being kind to that sadness. This part is a part of me too. You know, it's part of the human experience and it's good. I mean, it stinks, but it's good. You know, it's part of the human experience. It's part of life. Yeah. If we didn't have it, we wouldn't have growth. So, yeah. And we yeah. can really see those joys, you know, in such a different perspective when you've been through some really, like, I think everybody should be broke, like really broke in their life sometime. You know, <laughs> If you can be really broke and like embrace the suck of that and then become wealthy, first of all, you're not so worried about losing your wealth because you know that, you know, I can be broke and I'm still okay. Um, but you also like can really appreciate all those things. Like if you, I don't know, I didn't come from money. So, but I imagine if you come from money, you just have it all the time. Like you probably don't appreciate everything that you're black. You may not appreciate the bird chirping. Cause it didn't, you know, it doesn't cost anything. I don't know. Um, I think it's important to experience the highs and lows of life and embrace them all and keep soaring higher at the same time. Oh, yeah. Okay. So a few years ago for me, uh, when I actually had my awareness of emotions and how they were impacting me physically, mentally, I realized how little I knew and I, I didn't appreciate the value of emotion. Mm. Could you tell us your take on emotions and what you think they provide? Whether they're, whether they're positive or negative or like anger, frustration. Yeah. Um, actually, it's funny. I didn't think I'd talk so much about my, it seems like a lifetime ago that I was married and I had stepchildren and these things. But I remember um, they kind of came from a family that was, you know, be happy, be be a good girl, you know, um, as many of us did. Uh, and one of the things that I would say at home though, is if you're sad, cry. If you're angry, go scream. The only rule around our house was don't say anything mean to anyone else while you're doing that. Um, I think I, I, one of the monks I listened to was talking about the repression in the Catholic church and how that's really led to perversion you know, like repressing a natural thing has led to so much perversion and chaos in the church. Um, and when we repress sadness, anger, any of that, it's going to express somehow mm. in a perverted way. Perverting means just like off course, you mm. know? Um, and so I think it's so important to be graceful with yourself. Yeah, I'm angry. I'm really angry. These are the things I'm angry about. And um, one of the things I uh, tell a lot of the people I mentor is, you know, keep a journal. If you're a praying type, make it a prayer journal. Cause I find like if I'm telling this stuff to God, I'm like, 
I'm still totally raw. I'm like, this person's an a-hole, you know? <laughs> but at the same time, by the end of, like, especially say in a relationship, I would find where once before I started like prayer journaling things out, I would just like, you did this and you're an awful person. And you know, like just all this anger that hasn't been processed, just spewing onto this person. And really maybe all I'm angry about is that they didn't take out the trash or you know, something small. Yeah. And so by the end of prayer journaling or journaling for anyone, I would, God, there's such a this and blah, blah, blah. one of two things would happen. I would either become crystal clear about what I'm truly angry about or I realized that was a really stupid thing to be angry about. Yeah. <laughs> One of the two. So I could either come with calmness to the person that I was angry about and say, you know, this thing I'm upset about and I would like it to change. This is what I require. Does that work for you? Rather than you're awful. <laughs> you know, like that never works. Um, or I realized, you know, that was silly. I'm just going to take the trash out myself. <laughs> like it's not a big deal. They're working really hard. You know, whatever it might be. Um, I, one of those two things always happens once it gets processed, like we have to allow ourselves to process. And when we go, 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 and don't take any downtime, yeah. it's just going to lead to explosions. Yeah. So emotions are great. Feel the sad. And, and that's where you have to take the downtime. You have to allow space as if it were an appointment you couldn't miss to feel your emotions, feel the sadness, feel the anger. And, um, be graceful with it and allow it, you know, until it like comes to one of those, like I'm very crystal clear of what needs to be changed or that was silly anyway. Keep scheduling the time for it. You know? mm. um, because otherwise it's going to come out on your kids. It's going to come out on your spouse. It's going to come out at work. It's going to, you know, in these places that you don't want it to bubble up at, eventually that cork's got to pop. You know, if you just keep shoving it down and down and down. So I think emotions are excellent. And then of course the happy emotions, those I think are easy for most people. You know, like, um, I think, you know, when I was a kid, remember when you would like laugh at a joke and everybody else has stopped laughing already and you're like trying to repress that you're still laughing. Like you still are having exuberant joy over this like little thing. I think we should just laugh until people think we were ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I actually started dribble at that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we should just laugh until we're just a big hot mess. You know? yeah. yeah. So yeah, the emotions yeah. are amazing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the juice of life, really. I mean, come on. It, it it made me physically, like you're saying about pushing them down inside. It made me physically ill. Like you know, it's. Uh, not just from the guilt and the shame and, and, and other things like about my weight and, and other stuff, but also um, oh, yeah. about I... how I presented in the world. Like I've, I've never, I, I've never like confrontation, for example, or not wanting to express my opinion for fear of upsetting another, mm. you know, all these, mm -hmm. because, because I wanted to be liked and, and all these different sorts of things. I mean, oh, yeah. I still want to be liked, but I'm certainly not going to suppress anything going, you know, I reached a point where I was either I like, keep doing what I'm doing, stay ill or get ill, more, more ill, or I change radically. And, yeah. and that's what, and that's what I chose. You know? I'm sure. Have you read uh, anything by Louise Hay on Hay House? No, I haven't. No. Um, Transform oh. your life or something. Is it? Is that um, one of yeah, there's one. I'll send it to you. Um, there's even like a list that I go to every once in a while of emotions which cause this physical ailment. Okay. And um, 
So sometimes when I'm having anything physical happen, I actually knew someone and I've done it myself too. Um, I was hit by a car in college while I was walking through a crosswalk and um, the girl just like hit me and then mouthed, are you okay? Through her, she didn't roll down the window. And then she <laughs> just took off and I like memorized her license plate really quick. And I was in complete shock. So I didn't know that I was injured in any way yet, you know, and uh, I eventually, you know, went to the doctor and my back was in scoliosis for like nine months, which um, kind of, you were talking about that question, you know, how uh, life is for you, which mm -hmm. led me to teach Pilates because I couldn't afford to take Pilates to straighten out the scoliosis. Um, and then my knee though, for many, many years, my left knee that I was hit at, um, would just act up in so much pain. And I had this one healer, um, before I had read the Louise Hay say, there's a lot of anger stored in your knee and you need to get rid of that anger. And so when I worked on it with her, it went away for like several months and then it kind of came back, you know, um, and I read in one in the Louise Hay thing, like knee pain equals stored up anger. And, okay. um, every time it hurts now, I'll be like, I forgive the girl. I forgive the attorneys that defended her hitting me with her car. You know, I for because I was like so bitter at the legal system. I was bitter at the girl for because she was like, when she fell on my car, <laughs> oh yeah, I just hopped onto your car. Yeah. You know, and so whatever we're physically manifesting, even um, I used to have really bad acne, awful. I mean, <laughs> yeah, cystic acne. And, and um, someone told me who was an NLP coach and she read the Hey, she's like, it's from self-hatred. And I'm like, I love myself. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? But truly I was like, and I was in great shape and I was like, I'm fat. I'm this. And I did hate myself. I just didn't even have the self-respect to admit that I hated myself, yeah. you know, and we're taught a lot of times, especially women and especially anyone who, you know, maybe carries an extra pound or so which come on, you would survive in the zombie apocalypse much more than anyone else if you carried a few extra pounds. Um, and honestly, I tell any of my clients who are older, I'm like, I'd so much rather you be 10 or 15 pounds overweight because 10 or 15 pounds under is dead. Yeah. You know, we so glorify being skinny and um, being this perfect way in our culture that if you're, not, you know, if you're voluptuous, which I love that's like starting to come into style now because that's how I am, but it wasn't when I was growing up. And so voluptuous just meant fat, you know, and it just means like, That's to right. me, like it's beautiful curves now, like now I can embrace it and love it. But I was hating myself because I wasn't what society deemed perfect, you know, and, and like you said, you know, if, if you carry a little weight, you get judged, you know, you must be lazy, you must be unorganized, you know, you can't yeah. make good choices in your life, obviously. Um, and uh, there's this great program called Wild Fit, and he breaks down the food industry and how, and also there's another um, brain scientist named Caroline Lee. They break down the food industry and how food is scientifically engineered to be addictive and make sure that you get fat so that you keep being addicted to their food. Which and so also like- Keeps you addicted to the drugs you need to stay well. <laughs> And keeps you, it's exactly, it's this vicious cycle. And so, but then we pin that on the individual, you know, that maybe has been eating these addictive foods since they were a toddler. Um, and until you know um, how to break the cycle and break the chain in the mind with the cycle and break the actual physical addiction of these foods, it's, you know, it sounds maybe hippie, but it's not a lot of people's fault that 
they got that way. Yeah. Um, but they can get the knowledge, of course, to get healthy. That's important. You know, yeah. I'm actually dating someone right, right now who like has struggled with weight and um, a lot. And I'm like, you know, what? I love all of you. And I want you to live to 117 with me. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's the way. Like, uh, I love all of you. Like that is awesome. And I think you're great. And I just want you to be healthy so you can live a long time with me. You yeah. know? So, I, and I think it's important until you love all of you, no one else is going to love all of you, you know? And until you love all of you, it's gonna, not going to go away the extra parts that are actually like making you tired and holding you back a little bit. No. Yeah. No, yeah. It's I, possible. It's well I'm a big advocate of body positive movement. Like, love it all. And then, you, you know, the health will come. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're spot on. Absolutely spot on. Um, you mentioned something then about anger in the knees. Uh-huh. I can relate to that. Um, so me and the wife are both Reiki practitioners. So we uh-huh. can, so you know what I mean? You can, you, when, you, when you're Reiki in someone, you can pick up on that energy. Yes. I've never, I never, my mother suffers with her knees chronic. So this is something I may well have to drop on her. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. She, she, doesn't, she doesn't always appreciate it when I try and help. <laughs> probably I know because that. She, <laughs> that was probably, my biggest lesson to learn. <laughs> probably because she hasn't asked for my help. It's just like I want her to be healthy and well. So Me I get, you know, it's out of love, you know. And I, you know, I found it with my own mom. Um, for years, I tried to give her my NLP, give her my this, give her you, know, you need to do this stuff. <laughs> and of course, no, it's not happening. And it was just. Um, this February, right before um, my grandfather passed away, I uh, was, I heard he wasn't doing well. And I drove eight hours just to get there in the middle of the night. And I swung by her house to pick something up before I left. And she said, you know, all the work that you do to improve yourself and to grow, it really inspires me to do the same. And I was like in the twilight zone. Like I had always felt this resistance to it before. And like, she is, you know, she struggled with weight her whole life. She's lost 10 pounds recently and she's so positive. Like, I mean, she still has, we're all negative every once in a while, but like looks on the bright side of things more than ever before. And, um, she's so happy. She's like, has this community that she goes to Disneyland with all the time. And like, I don't think, especially raising kids and stuff, she's had her good friends, but like this community that she's just really a part of, like I've seen her life just grow and expand. And then for her to even tell me like, yeah, thank you for all these things that you've done in yourself because it's inspired me. I was just like, had to pick my job off the floor. Because <laughs> yeah. you think for so long, you're not doing anything, you know, that, um, but I think as we do just lead it as an example and we kind of, offer things like hey this is what i learned take it or leave it um sometimes the initial reaction is like i'm not angry but then they think about it for a while (laughs) that sounds like my mom i think it's everybody i think about um it's something i talk in my book too about like religion and when people try to like convert other people like nobody wants to be sold and told they're wrong and awful like that they're doing it wrong you know but to buy a better option Hmm. everybody wants that so when we try to sell this this concept it doesn't matter what whether it's religion or 
getting healthier or more spiritual or less pain in your knee, it, nobody wants to be sold, you know, but we just present a better opportunity, you know, a lot of people would buy that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, even just by being continuous in your action, you, you, you were unaware of the impact you were having all along. Yeah. You know? we, yeah, exactly. We, we never know. Exactly. We never I mean, I started know. listening to motivational things when I was like 16 years old. My mom would buy the Tony Robbins uh, CDs and things like that, and she wouldn't open them. And I'd go in there and I'd open them. <laughs> I'd listen to all of them, you know? So I was like thankful, like she at least bought them, you know? And so that I was able to listen to them. And then, you know, I went on to the different, um, from there. He, do you remember um, he would do those interviews with different people? Um, I forget what he called them. He like interviewed Deepak Chopra. He interviewed um, some Mark, uh, Jay Abram, the big marketing guy. And, yeah. um, you know, so then I would like dive off into their stuff and grow from that. And um, yeah, you don't. And back then again, like I think I mentioned in my questions, like I cried every single day until I moved out of the house, you know, just people's emotions. Sometimes when people don't have the emotional tools, you know, that maybe we were able to gain. It's just, you know, I don't blame anybody. Everybody does the best with the tools that they had, but the house was chaotic growing up, you know, and I would cry all the time and I'd just be so, I didn't think happiness on a most of the time spectrum was even a possibility when I was younger. And I see how these seeds were planted with all the personal development and all the different people I would study and research and um, you know, they, those, those grew over the years. And now I have my days where I'll sit with my sadness and, and be okay with the sadness. Cause I think on top of the sadness when I was younger, then I was sad that it was sad. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, on it. like, I'm sad. It's never getting better. Why am I sad? And I shouldn't be sad, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. So now like these, these plants that I've once planted, you know, are, of joy and peace and love and prosperity and abundance. Like when the sadness comes, I can be like, yeah, hi sadness. That's right. You know, we can, we can be here too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Going, going right back to the very start of something you just said, something you just triggered me then was something you said was you see, you mentioned your tree, your vision tree. And then you said you got all these different leaves on it with all the different aspects of your life and all, within those different aspects of your life or things you want to achieve are things like podcasts, TV shows, blah, blah, blah. What, what I found lately is that I struggle with is I'll go down, I'm on an avenue at the moment, all in on my podcast. Mm-hmm. But now I seem to be bombarded with lots of different things to about podcasts and promoting the podcast. Mm-hmm. How, how do you fish out which one to go with? Because I find myself sometimes I can get like overwhelmed with it all. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's funny. It all comes back to that stopping. Because your intuition will tell you. You know, like I've recently, um, like right now my webpage is just like a simple, like here's some information about my book and my retreat and contact me if you want to know anything else. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. very rudimentary. Um, and I'm like okay, I can invest into, like there's a marketing people that I'm talking to about branding and, you know, making sure all the branding pages are congruent and, um, and I think that's good. And I think I will go with them, 
but not in this moment. And like in this moment, I feel like I've got a kind of local following and um, I'm catering to them right now and I'm giving them the best service I can and pouring into them and knowing, you know, the money will come as I pour into these people. Yeah. And then, you know, I would love to get to where I'm bringing like an executive team on a retreat and helping them to not only stop then, but have tools to be able to pause for that second that helps them go into a meeting or helps them figure out what's important here and what's the minutia that I can clear out and have some work-life balance. I would love to get there. And when I do, I'm going to need the page that's super, you know, fluid. And when an executive team goes, they're like, yeah, she's a professional and she's great. Um, you know, and I, I've been doing this for 16 years between fitness and wellness and all that. Um, I know I'm, I am, but right now I'm catering to this community. And I think I, I will do all that. And I think it's good to like pick which ones work for you now and not write off the other ones. So they're not gone, like doing the whole branding and the big web page and all that. And like the marketing push is good and I will do it. But like right now that didn't sit with me for where my funds need to go, where my funds are going or into this retreat, into the vision board classes, into and all my energy is going into serving the people that are here now, not the ones that might come later. Yeah. So I think with your podcast, that might be, you know, sitting with who am I serving now? Mm. And am I serving them to a hundred percent already where I should go after the other? Um, so if you are, maybe it's time to like up the game and like take the next level. Um, but if you feel like there's anything more to give to this audience, then maybe staying with what oh, there's lots here. more to give. Yeah. Lots more. It's, uh, the odd thing is you, 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 see, you follow these little nuggets like you just said you, you go into Tony Robbins and you end up on Deepak Chopra did exactly yeah. the same thing right? and end up playing his audible book uh, and then you go off on a tangent and then you come back and then you find someone else and you sign up for all these different newsletters so your inbox is getting rammed up and then, <laughs> but some of them have all got different little nuggets in it and mm-hmm. you, you've, got to, you've got to check it out because in case someone pulls your eye yeah. But I've read that. I think it's Warren, Warren Buffett. He manages his inbox. He, he, he lays out his thing for the day, like what he wants to achieve. And he puts his most important task at the top. Mm-hmm. And then he says, he goes to his inbox. And if, his, if, if anything in that inbox is, is not top of the list with what he's trying to achieve, he just deletes it. Oh, yeah. I, I don't I do, do that. <laughs> no, I do that too. I'll, and I'll weed sometimes. <laughs> certain things that I need to unsubscribe for now. Like I always know where to find them. You know, that's not going to be a problem. Um, there's like a certain monk that I never unsubscribe from my coach. I never unsubscribe from and a couple others. Like I like mind Valley and Hay house and stuff, but sometimes I will just delete those too. When it's not what I'm focusing on right now. Yeah. Um, I love in Tim Ferriss's book, he talks about um, getting a virtual assistant to yeah. manage your inbox for you. And only send you the important things. So like, uh, it was funny. One of the stories he talks about, they, um, he had the virtual assistant. It was a story, not Tim. But he had the virtual assistant worry for him. So <laughs> 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 that off of his plate. They said, it works actually to have her do my worrying for me. <laughs> That's crazy. You know, it's so counterproductive to worry. So, you know, like, yeah, sure. Will you do my worrying for me? <laughs> 
Well, it's different, certainly different. Anyway, <laughs> um, funny you should mention Tim Ferriss, actually, because I, I, my, my children had their friends over last night to stay. So I went to bed 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock because I'm, I'm up early and I want to get stuff done before the day starts. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, they, they were still clattered in round at half past two. Um, so I, 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 I hardly slept. And uh, <laughs> I thought, I, I'm done. I, I, I wasn't tired. I was, so I was a little bit cross. So I thought, <laughs> I'll get up and I'll just start my day earlier. So mm-hmm. I started my day at half past two this morning. Oh wow! I've but done what, it. <laughs> <laughs> but I need—I know I need my sleep. Sleep's critical for me. But like, so what it allowed me to do was the I bought um, a Tim Ferriss. I crossed it off my action board now. Uh, Tim Ferriss productivity on creative life. I don't know if you if you heard of them. They're like little courses. Okay. And it's sort of like a condensation of of his books. You know, mm. his knowledge or cut up into like 10 or 15 minute blocks and there's about five or six and then do a Q&A at the end. So yeah, I went through that and I, and uh, it, it was a lot of stuff from Tim that I wrote in, in an email to myself as a reminder mm. um, that is so, it was so needed for me to hear it where I am. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> Did he do the fear casting? fear the fear casting yes going to the worst worst yeah that's <laughs> you, and you got rabies and now you can't do anything like. yeah see so what if i go to a foreign country and a dog rips my face off <laughs> <laughs> right um, and it, the cool thing it's kind of like that once you've been really broke you know you can like once you've gone to that very very worst case scenario and you know you're still gonna live and be okay and like you'll figure it out then you're not fearing it like my coach says what resi- what you resist persists yeah. like the more you're pushing up against it the more it's actually coming to you you know and so she has us do this exercise where you go into like I um did it with the client of mine recently where she really wants to get married and she wants to you know have this life that many women dream of right and so I took her into like her worst fear ever she's just turning 30 in a couple of months and um, I said, all right, you're 45 years old. You haven't had a good date since you were 29. <laughs> you know, like you are, um, you know, just feel like everything's awful. All the men out there are horrible. Nothing's working for you. You know, go there, go there. You know, you're never going to have a kid. You're never going to get married. None of this go there. And she was like, this is awful. You're making me cry. You know, but she had to like fully feel it. Right. Yeah, She's yeah. like crying. And then fully feel, all right, say you meet someone a couple months from now, everything goes well, he spoils you and, you know, asks you to marry him in a year and a half and you guys do this and have kids and yada, 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 go there. Oh, she's feeling great. And you go back and forth in the brain a couple times and then you merge those. And when she merged them, she was no longer holding on to like, I have to go on dates. I have to, I have to get married soon. You know, like. She realized like she's not afraid of this anymore and she's not clamoring at this anymore. Yeah. And she's just like in a place where she can be open to the things that are good for her and she wants to come to her. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I feel like you have to go. So like I used to only go to the positive. Like, no, I've got NLP. I'm focusing on what's good. I can only look at the positives. I can't look at this. I can push it away. You know? But you have to be realistic too, or cause this will follow you. you know? yeah. It will get worse if you just like ignore it or try to resist it. Like 
you sometimes just have to be like, all right, let's just go there. All right, the worst, worst, worst. I, it'd suck, but I'd live, you know? And then yeah. you're like, all right, I'm not going to be afraid of it or have to ignore it anymore. Um, sometimes I think that people, because I will speak, I never speak out usually the things that are bad, you know, <laughs> like, um, I'll speak of all the good things, you know, and I think people think that I don't see the problems. Right. And I'm like, no, I'm completely aware of the problems. I'm completely aware of the challenges. I just realized for my plane to take off, I can't be looking down here. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. I've got to look up here and be aware of any landmines down here, you know, if I need to move and do this. But I've got to look up here to be able to take off. And so, but being aware of down here, just not focusing on it or fearing it or ignoring it or resisting. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it is. It, it, yeah, me too. He's uh, yeah, I've I've been, I've been lots of different things, but I forgot I'd forgotten how because he's he, he th- not he doesn't think the same way as me, but he thinks the way I'd like to think, as yes. in very like very systems and process yes. based. That's probably where I picked up because I read his book. Maybe in 2008 or not. It's like when it first, first came out. Um, and it's interesting to see the things I've implemented since then. Mm. But when I first started flight attending, some of the processes took me like hours to do. And then I ended up creating a manual that anyone could come in there, like a monkey could come in and do it in 15 minutes. Cause I just like systematically, okay, first you turn this on, then you do that. Then you check the sinks. Then you go over here you put two water bottles by the bed so that the client doesn't have to get up and ask you for that in the middle of the night. You do, you like everything was spelled out in such an exact system that if you know, a fourth grader could go in and, and handle that. Eventually I just like smoothed right through that, you know, but creating those systems. And that's where too, I'm like, you know, as I'm building this and I'm pouring into people, I'm learning like what, processes and systems work best for this dynamic you know I've been in different dynamics before and that's where I'm like once I've got that totally totally down then I go for the executives and you know all that because I just I want like I said giving your best in in the situations that you're at and then creating from what took a long time to make it take just a little bit of time and do the same amount of effectiveness um, that you did before. And then even the traveling, like getting paid to travel the world, that's in Tim Ferriss's book. And I'm like, wow, like this went in a long time ago and it took a while for that to grow, that seed. But, and I'm still, I said it on the little intake, but I'm still waiting for Tim Ferriss to take me to tea because he invited me on his blog years ago. <laughs> yeah, he invited me on his blog. Like uh, he, he had a beard and I love beards at this time. And he was talking about like, um, how everybody shaved their beard and didn't tell him. And he's the only one. And I'm like, oh, I think the beard's hot. you know. And he's like, all right, come have tea with me and prove it. And I was like, <laughs> but I think I was just like my client at that time where I was like, yeah, yeah. And he was probably like, um, okay, no. <laughs> Crazy fan. <laughs> 1,000 true fans, isn't it? Yeah, I was one of his thousand true fans for sure. So it probably wouldn't, even if I went on the tea, it probably wouldn't have been healthy for me. I just... <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't have been healthy. I love that. that yeah, no, I would have been like, oh my gosh, I went to tea with my celebrity crush. I'll never go on a date again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. I got um. Uh, let's have a look here. There's, there's one question I wanted to ask you. Yeah. All right. Again, I want to be respectful of your time. Um. Let's have a look. So, if we take you from being uh, a child, which we've sort of discussed, to a teenager, and then into maybe I don't know in your twenties, thirties, or a time of great change. What stories in your life does that evoke for you? Um, so I'm not sure. Do you know anything about the Enneagram? Right. Oh, cool. You've mentioned that because <laughs> so one of my friends mentioned it the other day and they're talking about it. I'm thinking, I still got to ask them what that is. Oh, okay. Is it the INJ thing? Nope. No, no it's no, different. Okay. Um, but the Enneagram is actually from the first century. It's uh, really cool. Um, but there's different numbers. So like a two is someone who like gives and gives and gives and like, you know, um, I just saw this little Enneagram post, like a two at the beach is like, hey, I have sunscreen. I bought snacks and you don't have to pay me back. Like, you know, like that's a two, you know? And then like um, uh, a three is like the performer, like how can I eat clean on my vacation? You know? <laughs> like, and like a seven and I'm like, I joke that I'm a seven with a seven wing, like is all about having fun and adventure. And like, honestly, if you told me when I was a kid that I couldn't like levitate across the room, I'd be like, just cause you can't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. <laughs> I was on adventures in my mind all the time. You know? That's the way. And so, like, um, and then you have wings, which truly my wing is probably an eight, which is like the very task driven, like, so I'm like in my seven fun, but then like when I get into work, I totally get into this eight, like this is what's got to get done. This is the systems to make it happen. And so that way I can go back to being a seven and have fun again. You know? <laughs> so like uh, one of the stories I had described is like, um, you know, we were like off-roading with a bunch of friends when we were in high school and like we'd, we seriously like jumped off this one uh, jump and there was a white truck we were following and we got into the dust and dust was everywhere and we see this white truck crumpled up on the side of the road and we're like oh my gosh dust clears and our friends are ahead of us <laughs> like, you know and then we're like going like off-road like 70 miles per hour and this like grand canyon ends up like right in front of us and we like slam on the brakes totally stop the car has like broken pieces coming off of the truck you know like my friend kept one for probably like 15 years it's been 20 since this time and uh but you know these are like adventurous memories that we didn't die so it was awesome that we talk <laughs> about still you know <laughs> and so like and then also like i grew up on the tire swing with my brother, you know, and um, I had described to you in the, when we talked to via chat, um, he, he died in a motorcycle accident about, it'll be 10 years in December. And so uh, that was probably my greatest change. I, there was no adventure or fun, you know, to be had anymore uh, for a while. Um, he was my my best, even it wasn't healthy, but when I was married, you know, if something went wrong, I'd call Miles, hey, can you come fix this? You know, like he was the one I trusted, the one I did, you know, it's probably why part of why my marriage didn't work out, but there was lots of other reasons. But, um, you know, we did everything together and I didn't realize until he died, like I saw him every other day. And until that void was there, um, you know, 
I, I took for granted this relationship I had with my brother and I was trying to, I wanted to travel again because, you know, we had traveled as kids. I loved it. And I was applying for all these things to travel, these jobs, getting nothing. And I was like, God, why am I so stuck? Like, I want to get out of this town. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, now I can look back and see like, I spent every other day with my brother until the day he died. We had gone out to brunch with our family and shot the breeze, told jokes with each other. And I gave him a big hug and a kiss on the cheek. And I said, I love you. I'll see you later. And four hours later, you know, he, his head was across the highway. It was, you know, like, and the worst part is um, when he pulled up the article on what happened, like, I could see, like, I knew my brother's body shape in that body bag, you know, and I just, I laid on the ground and wept and wept. And I just felt like I wanted to just melt into the ground and die too. Like I didn't, there was no reason to have joy anymore. You know, there was nobody I trusted anymore at that level. And, um, you know, I had this group at the time called the Happy Women's Society because I was like, women who won't sit around complaining like that we're going to be positive all the time. Um, but I didn't realize that I wasn't relatable. Like I had plenty of things going on, but because I was always showing this positive side, like because I had to focus on that, people didn't realize I was like a real person too because I yeah. never showed the vulnerability. And um, one of my friends told me that in this time where like people were scared when they saw me, um, like because they knew me as this like really vibrant and I would come like looking like a zombie, like just a shell of who I normally was. And, um, but one person told me, she goes, you know, it was the first time I really felt like I could open up to you about my problems and about the things going on in my life. And so that's, that's kind of been my edge ever since is focus on the positive, lift people up, but be real about the stuff that, isn't good the stuff that you do have challenges with because no one can tell you theirs if you aren't you know transparent yeah. about yours spot on spot on it's uh it's, it's funny how that works isn't it i mean we try you try and try and present the best it's like social media we try and present the best side but nobody truly sees what goes on behind closed doors or you know yeah. once that camera's off and it's um, a lot of the um social media people especially the the women i've seen who show their gray hairs, they show their cellulite and like just are totally real about it. They actually have the mo the biggest following because people can relate to them. Yeah, it makes them, yeah, real. You know, it's, uh, I, 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 I struggle to see why we, you know, as a society is, okay, it's great to celebrate and post certain stuff on social, but are you doing it to reaffirm yourself or are you doing it for others? In which case that's weird. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, for, for me, no, that, that, that doesn't compute. I've struggled with that because, um, especially when I, you know, was working on the private jet and I was being paid to, you know, go all around Europe and Asia and all these places, you know, and sometimes I'd post and sometimes I'd stop and people would say, hey, we need to live vicariously through you. Like, please keep posting stuff, you know, and I'm like, okay, you know, like, is that healthy? <laughs> you know, but at the same time, like, they were sharing that joy, you know, um, of the experience. And I was super joyful. And I loved the, that aspect of the job and, and you know, traveling um, around the world. It, again, it was something I had been trying to do for a long time. So, yeah, 
presenting that and then also like how to present the real, you know, struggles as well. I think I didn't take very many photos during that time. You know, <laughs> that mm. was like, actually, I can think of some, I should, that's going to be a challenge for me to put on social media a few more of those like crappy times that, you know, this, what's, this what's, what's the fear? Part of the journey. What's that? What's the fear? Yeah. Yeah. And that like, you know, cause also like with my orphans, the cool thing about like, so after my brother died, I moved to Kansas. I just kind of like ran away from everything. Cause I would drive by his house and cry. I'd drive by Disneyland and cry. I'd, you know, like anywhere that reminded me of what we did, I'd cry. And um, so just moved to Kansas. We had some family there and just did it. And I didn't have any clients anymore that I had built up in California. And um, so I'm starting from scratch. I, and I, I worked like four jobs and I was singing every night and I was living on like state housing because I was so broke, you know, like yeah. even with four jobs, I still qualified for the state funded housing. However, now when I talk to my orphans, I'm not just some wealthy American who's doing really great. I can say like, you're in state housing and I've been in state housing, you know, I've, I've been at that place. And so when I talk to you, it's not from this privileged place, but it's, you know, their state housing is a totally different level than what mine was. But I can at least say like, I've been here and this is how I got here. Yeah. Um, but without this, this is just a whole bunch of, well, must be nice, you know? Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I think you need, like you say, it's, it's needed. This drives this. Mm -hmm. And if you're posting, uh, you, you don't get to decide how people take your posts. Um, because you don't know what's going on in your own head. So, I mean, if you're, if you're, it's the, it's the intention with which you, you're putting it out there, isn't it? Um, if you're putting it out there to inspire and elevate people, then, you know, go at it. Like, you know, you know, it's, uh, yes. you know, but I mean, it, all of life. Yeah. It's the intention behind it. Yeah. And then, and, and then you've got some people then who will post, be, be, I don't know if yeah. I, I talk to different people and I, I see some, not, not, some people tend to do it like like in my in my circle, and it's not like they're trying to make others jealous, but it's just you you know their life is is not as funky as they're making it out to be, so it's yeah. almost like they're trying to present this image I think perhaps that's what greets on me is the fact they're trying to present an image that isn't right, true right. you know and then what happens then is everyone else in our social circle starts comparing themselves to that person. And then you get to keep it up with the Joneses thing going on, which just winds me up anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and it's just like, it's, it's not helpful. But if, no, you, no. if, you, if you're delivering your, your, meet, your social media, I mean, I'd love to see, and I will be following you on Insta, uh, your plane renovations, because I think that's ah, cool. You know? Cool, yeah. I'll start and, and, and your other stuff too. It's just, yeah, I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't saying that, you know, that your post with that way. I was trying to say that in, in I think it comes down to the, uh, oh, no, that, 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 <laughs> you know, that Jim Rohn quote, you are the five people you spend the most time with. Absolutely. You know, and then <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I yeah. quote him in it. <laughs> it's, uh, I, yeah. Like I say, you can't, you can't affect how people take your social, but it's at the same time, people take social, and it doesn't do them well, you know, because yeah. they, 
they, they're comparing their own lives and they might be doing fantastic for where they are but then they start comparing you know i think when we get into comparison anytime i mean it's kind of like when the skinny body type was the cool you know in the 90s and now Curvy's more cool. Uh, it's kind of, you know, like you want a Kim Kardashian bum or something like that, you know? <laughs> like, if you're comparing to someone else who's not you, like, thin can be very beautiful and curvy can be very beautiful. And um, if we're comparing our beauty to another it, and thinking they're better or worse, doesn't really matter. Like, oh, I'm so great or, or they're so great we are not recognizing the individual dynamic beauty of ourselves and mm. our situation and our body and, and everything that we are creating because we want to look like that. Yeah. And, you know, there's different body types. There's different um, things that bring people joy. Um, you know, some people wouldn't actually like traveling around all the time. In fact, I'm kind of to the point where next year, my goal is to be home eight, 80% of the time. <laughs> um, and so we can't compare and say that that's better. I think when we can get to a point where this moment is enough, I am enough, and I can be grateful for what is, that's where we begin to manifest all that we desire. Mm. Because if you can't appreciate this now, you won't appreciate that. And I tell that to people who say, oh, when I have money, I travel. So no, you won't. And they get really like, excuse me? So no, you won't. Your priorities will be the same when you have more money as they were now. If you don't camp or like go to a timeshare presentation or some way of traveling now, you're not going to travel then. You're just going to have a bigger house or a more expensive car, the things that you actually value. And so like how we are now, our appreciation levels, our ability to not compare to others is going to be the same, you know, in our growth. So we, that's what, it's so true. You've got to work on in here before you can affect any change out there. Oh, massive massive i mean I, I read somewhere that money's a magnifier i i've always said that even before i heard it yeah. yeah you know if you're already selfish you'll be more selfish and greedy you know if you're already giving and generous you'll be more giving and generous mm. you know i remember when i first um started working on the private jet and i had more money than i had ever had and i got to sponsor the orphans and stuff and i have a disneyland pass since i was 18 and even when i don't live there i keep a disneyland pass and my gift of like having this abundance was like bringing people to Disneyland who couldn't afford it. You know, I'd like bring a whole family to Disneyland and it'd bring me so much joy. And then like, you know, sometimes they couldn't afford the initial, but then the annual pass was only $13 a month more. So then like they get to come with me all year long. And then I have all these friends at Disneyland too, you know, so yeah. like, I make everybody else be an adventurous little kid. You know? Fantastic. I mean, what so, a gift to be able to do that for other people. Yeah, you know, it really is. And I'm looking forward to, as I build this again, to be able to actually, the model that I'd like to create this on is to um, do like, say, 10 retreats a year, doing smaller and larger, and make one out of those 10, make nine very profitable, and the 10th a donation to people who uh, need it, but couldn't afford it kind of thing. And nice. So, you know, being able to give back and ser so serving the people who are paying, you know, more than they're paying like giving them of course so much service that they keep coming back to those retreats yeah um and using that surplus to give to the people who need it like there's so many people who work so hard and don't if they take the time off would be the payment 
to be able to go on some sort of retreat, you know, mm. let alone take the time off and pay for it. So um, yeah. that's, that's the goal. That's, that's the vision board now <laughs> and being on Oprah's super soul conversations. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 I, yeah. Remember that one. Yeah. I have this funny picture on my, on my manifest tree and it's Oprah having a super soul conversation with somebody that has a body like somewhat similar to mine. And I've like literally just cut my face out and pasted it all into there. And it's like the wrong size for her body. Like my head is like bigger. <laughs> I gotta admit something to you now. I was I've been thinking about doing that with something I want to achieve, actually cutting somebody's shape out and yeah. putting my head on it. I have actually thought about doing that and I, for some reason I, I, I have done it, it also on like um I wanted to sing in Madison Square Garden or even just give a conference. And I have me in this like beautiful dress with my head stuck to it. <laughs> I was thinking that too for your kids um, on the adventure. Like you could have like a family on this adventure in Africa and like stick all your faces on the people. Hey, <laughs> you know? That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, my vision board now has like my real people on it. Like they're on my vision board because it's like the real people in my life yeah. as well. Yeah. So I'm all I, about cutting faces out, stick them on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to be on this vision board course tomorrow anyway. So, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And, <laughs> Me uh, and, too. And, 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 uh, and the next one, which comes up, the finance one, I'll be looking at. Uh, yeah, I'll let you know. Um, that. Right yeah. now that's scheduled for just after the retreat, like the final week of October going into the first week of November. Okay. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to sort of bring it to a close. There's one question more I got for, or two questions more. One is, what's the craziest thing uh, you could be doing in five years' time? In five years' time? Um, besides being on Oprah, it would be uh, really um, doing those, those 10 retreats and being able to give the 10th one as you know, free to people who need it. Um, and, and just spending the rest of my time writing books, um, contributing in other ways, having my downtime to be able to really pour into people during those times. Five years, I think I'd like to have some kids probably. So start raising some awesome little humans, you know, <laughs> and like try to, you know, like we were talking about, encourage their dreams in a realistic way, you know, and like bring, yeah. bring out. And so I think, yeah, like bringing out the goodness and the beauty and the peace in others and um, maybe doing that in some little humans. That'd be cool. That sounds awesome. <laughs> okay and and where could my uh, audience find you and on what platforms um so it's reina rose or reina rose wellness on pretty much um reina rose wellness on facebook reina underscore rose underscore wellness on uh, instagram reina rose on linkedin and i think it's reina rose well on twitter so pretty much everywhere uh and uh, yeah come follow and uh, encourage me to put on those those posts that of the not so funs that were part of the journey. <laughs> Fantastic. you got a, you got a beautiful energy and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Uh, Thank so, you. So you, too. I... you actually remind me of one of my best friends. Like you're like the white British version of him. <laughs> <laughs> cool. That's cool. <laughs> he's, the same, like, he's got like the shaved head and the beard, but like the personality is like really similar. I feel like I'm just chatting with my best friend. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's brilliant. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> okay uh yeah so i want to thank you for being you uh keep doing what you're doing um and and if you would be up for it i would i would love to have you back on to just unpack a little bit more of your story because uh i got a little bit carried away in the beginning and you got 
she got we got chatting, which I, I don't know. I don't know. I, would you be posting this on LinkedIn? Do you want me to tidy it up or? Oh no, I'm really raw too. Like put it all. I love it. Yeah, like okay. anything people can benefit from. I'm I'm totally up for it, and it would be my honor to come on again. I would love that. Fantastic, Rena. Thank you very very much for your time. Thoroughly appreciate it. Thanks, Joel. See you later. See you later. Bye. Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. My name is Joel Ingram and I am a certified NLP coach. I help passionate, resourceful and professional people feel stuck and unfulfilled with aspects of life to rewrite their narrative and chronicle a new, engaging and captivating future. Please subscribe if you found benefit. To all you seekers out there, we're 52 episodes in. Is it time for a change? If so, I have four places available. Head over to the show notes, click on the calendar link, and let's schedule a call.